Hey, everybody, welcome to Multi Multi, the podcast where we talk about the multitude of multi site student ministry. My name is Joe Crabb, and I am joined once again by our lovely co host, Gina. Gina, how are you? Hey, doing good. Gina, it is good to be back here with you, and it's good to have another one of our friends, returning guest. Uh, and Greg, I committed to hosting Sin and didn't ask you to make sure I don't butcher your last name before I formally introduce you. Um, and so, Greg, please fully introduce yourself. Yeah, you bet. You bet. No problem at all. My name is Greg Ligon. And um, believe you me, I've been called everything. Um, and uh, so, you know, whatever you call me is good. So uh, just call me Greg. Greg, and I'm thrilled to, thrilled to be with you here today. Yeah, thank you so much. Again, Gina and I have just had such a privilege to be able to uh, get to know you throughout the years. And uh, Woodside has worked closely with you throughout the years as a multi-site church. And so, so appreciative of your time here today with us. And we'll dive in um, here a, a little bit in just a second. But for those of you listening, if you're new to the show, just a reminder of why we do what we do. And that's just to have conversations for those who are entering the multi-site student ministry space or uh, have been there for a while just to have these conversations so we can look to to grow together by sharing mistakes sharing insights uh, you know and just uh, continuing to help each other out as we look to be good stewards of that which god has has blessed us with and glad again to have conversations with someone like greg who has been in the trenches and greg because of your experience throughout the years you see a lot uh, with multi-site churches. And so I would love for you to share with the listener about your experience and that expertise you have within multi-site ministry and, you know, the, the vantage points you've been at to be able to see multi-site student ministry, both formerly with your role with Leadership Network and the, the new venture you have going now. Sure, you bet. So I've um, had the real privilege of kind of having a front row seat um, at the multi-site, uh, to see the multi-site movement, uh, really in some of its early birthing years. Um, we gathered, Leadership Network gathered some of the very first pioneering multi-site churches. Um, actually, some of them were together for the first time on 9-11, which is now 20 years ago, which seems hard to believe. Wow. Uh, we gathered our first cohort of churches in 2003 and had churches like Life Church and Seacoast and Community Christian Church and uh, new life up in Chicago, all that are kind of household names now, but many of those churches didn't even know one another. Yeah. Uh, they just gathered because they knew they were, God was doing something in their midst with the use of video or the use of some kind of a, a saddle, uh, satellite broadcast, uh, kind of an extension of the work that they were doing. So that first uh, meeting, um, I'll, I'll not forget, there was a lot of really great things that relationships that got started there. And even some of the language of the movement that we uh, is very common now. I was actually birthed in that very first meeting. One of my favorite stories is um, we were talking about the role of what we now call the campus pastor. Mm -hmm. And someone said, well, we've got this person, they're kind of an MC, but not really. They have to be a leader. We're not really sure what to call them. And one of the guys said, and actually they all claim to have said it now, I'm not sure which one did, but they said, well, we call him a campus pastor. Well, that stuck. And so when we gathered our, our group of uh, next group of churches six months later, they came in. That was just part of the nomenclature, right? And so yeah. it's been really fun to kind of see this movement 
get birthed and then to kind of see the waves of innovation that have happened. And of course, we're now right in the middle of a new one here with this season of COVID. Uh, I appreciate you sharing that. And um, you get to work with leaders in all sorts of positions within multi-site uh, churches. So what are some of the um, tough lessons you've seen learned by those in multi-site ministries? And of course, specifically in that lens uh, with multi-site student ministries. Right. You bet. So um, I think that some of the challenges probably there in student ministry are some of the same challenges that are common across the board in terms of, you know, we went, churches uh, went from, you know, considering multi-site to, and you know, overnight, every church in America became multi-site at some level, right? And yeah. so I was literally in conversations in February with churches, and we were talking about two particular areas. One was student ministries, the other was kids ministries, actually a third was groups ministries, and just talking about what were the really good models for online. And, you know, we couldn't come up with a whole lot, right? Um, and most of the churches that we, we've worked with and I've been engaged with prior to that point in time, if they'd attempted it, um, they were doing some good stuff or they'd attempted it and decided, you know what, it's, we're actually doing fine with in-person and uh, it's yeah. not worth the investment or it's too hard or you know, whatever. So they just kind of, and then all of a sudden, you know, we're, we hit March 10th and you don't have a choice. Um, I was actually with a group of next generation pastors, um, young pastors of, of large growing churches. We were together March 10th through the 12th in Atlanta. And at dinner on the 10th, uh, one of the guys said, oh, my goodness. And I looked over and he had his phone out and he'd gotten an ESPN text alert and notifying <laughs> him that, you know, college uh, March Madness was not going to have uh, we're going to have fans. Right. And so it was like, yeah, the, the end, you know, for those of us who are, base, are basketball fans. And, you know, we literally went in that meeting from kind of scenario planning to reality TV because a lot of those guys didn't even have any kind of online experience, you know, or yeah. certainly they didn't have the kind of experience that they needed to have. So there was the rush to that. And I think a lot of really cool innovation came um, out of that, those early seasons and people were engaged and were uh, those who had not ever used Zoom or the other platforms, you know, kind of got pretty adept at it pretty quickly. I think one of the things that probably that I'm hearing anyway, in terms of the challenges with student ministry with reference to that platform is not only were churches trying to engage students with that, I mean, that became the reality for them in their educational background, their educational <laughs> experience, right? So they were already spending eight hours a day or whatever it was online with classes doing that thing. And so the fatigue factor for the online piece, I think, got pretty um, pretty strong, pretty quick. Um, so I think that has been one of the huge challenges. I think the other challenge has been, this is the same for um, kids ministry as well, um, as churches then began to first talk about and think about moving back into the building for live services, all the energy that had been kind of poured into this online experience and trying to figure out really began to shift pretty quickly back to uh, meeting in person. And so, yeah. unfortunately, in a lot of scenarios, some of the, I feel like, were really great innovative advances that were made in terms of the digital space kind of got put on hold or kind of just got put on the back burner. And we kind of tried to do everything we could to kind of get back to business as we had known it before. And so yeah. I think that was one of the challenges. I think that yeah. uh, was a challenge for student ministry um, as well. What, Greg, one of the things I think I love about multi-site is that we are kind of 
designed to be nimble because we have campuses in different areas, different cultures, communities, sizes, staffing. But as um, even when we were talking before the show, you asked us like, hey, are you guys tired? And we're like, yes, because we've been doing ministry in this season of constant disruption. And in, and in student ministries, like you make a plan and then two days later, you find out you, you have to make a different plan because everything's changing so quickly in you know, 2020, 2021 with having to react to so many different factors. But as you've seen um, churches who are doing ministry in this season of disruption, what are some like principles or best practices that ha- you've seen that have really been inspiring or helpful? Yeah, so I think one of the things that's key in this season is you really have to approach leadership as a learner, even more than we ever have. I mean, all great leaders are learners, right? You're always exploring, learning, improving. But I think it's required, you have to kind of double down on that emphasis in your leadership during this season. So that's really, really important. So that posture of being a learning. I think the other thing that we have to get comfortable with um, is scenario planning. And so you, you can no longer just plan, make one plan, but you really have to think in terms of, okay, we've got we to think about what s- multiple scenarios might look like. So we were just talking again before the call, you know, what's it going to look like um, there in Michigan if things begin to shut down? Okay, we've, you've now kind of got to at least whatever you're doing currently into what that normal looks like. But have you already begun to think about, okay, what's that going to look like if we have to shut down? So I think that's one of the leadership muscles and the things that people are really going to have to begin to think about is how do we think in terms of scenarios? What does it look like if we can, if we are limited in the number of people that can gather? What's it going to look like if we have the spikes um, in the virus? What's it and, and to begin to create some alternatives there. What that does is if you think about it in advance, it's harder on the front end. But it's easier yeah. because you, when you have to make the shifts, you've already made some of those decisions, um, and you already know kind of where you can where you can head. And another thing that's I think really important, and um, I've been kind of on the bandwagon for this for a number of years now, and it's I think it's even more important in this season. And we've really learned um, during my time at Leadership Network, we learned a lot about this whole lean startup concept in business um, and this model of what they call build, measure, and learn. And so really looking at things from a perspective of kind of what's the minimum viable product? What do I have to have in place? What, what prototype can I stand up for how we might, in this case, might do student ministry, right? And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to attempt something and I'm going to see how it works. I'm going to measure it. I'm going to learn from that. And then I'm going to do the next thing. I'm gonna, and so that iterative process, I think, is really, really important. And I do think that multi-site churches have an advantage in this space, just as you've mentioned, Gina, because of the fact that um, we have multiple campuses and we can we don't have to try something that has to be across the board. We can try something at one campus and see how effective it is. We were I was working with 12 Stone Church um, a couple of years ago and they were experimenting with um, doing a Monday evening service. Uh, primarily for the, one of their campuses, if I remember the story correctly, had a lot of families that had kids with special needs. And so the Sunday morning experience, for some reason, was difficult for them. So they, they, they said, we think maybe a Monday evening service is going to work. And so they tried it at one campus, built it, minimum viable product, put it in place, learned what they could from it, 
did another round of it, you know, did, did it for a series kind of thing, and then began to roll it out their campuses. So I think that whole idea of iterative learning, of build, measure, learn, kind of that lean startup idea is really, really important. Uh, it keeps things simple too. I think that's the other thing that we just have to strive for in this season is to keep our programming and our uh, the things that we're doing as simple as possible um, and with a primary focus on engagement. Um, so and those are a few things that come to mind. I think that's so insightful, Greg, as you were talking about that need for scenario planning is the my experience, even thoughts I've wrestled with personally and conversations with our team at my campus, across the campuses, other churches in the uh, the area, is I, I think people want to um, not have to scenario plan because we've had to do so so much mental gymnastics, so to say, over the last couple of months that, you know, ministry is so rhythmic. And in some regards, we provide such predictability, even though, you know, one night you might come and somebody's eating dog food and the next thing, next week they're washing feet. But like, uh, there's still like the predictability of it. And we're almost tired of having to think there, well, well, what are we going to do if cases spike again and there's another shutdown or X, Y, and Z? Um, it's almost that, that desire to be like, all right, we just, we, we all want to go back to the normal times, but I think that, you know, that's one of the things that I think is, I mean, we've begun to hear this term used a lot, decision fatigue. Yeah. Uh, And so everybody's feeling that, you know, and I was texting with a good friend of mine from seminary um, earlier today. And he said, my leadership muscle is just really tired, you know, Um, and same kind of thing. It's the same deal. And so I think that's something that's really, really important for all leaders um, to be thinking about is how do you deal with that? Are you taking care of your soul? You know, and I think maybe even Carrie Newhoff, who I first heard say this, that you have to give yourself permission and your team's permission to just walk away. Um, not to walk away from your responsibility, to abdicate your leadership. You know, that's not what he's talking about. But what he is saying, uh, was saying is give give yourself the opportunity to walk away from the immediacy of whatever it is you're facing. So if that for you may mean, you know, taking a walk around the block or going to grab a cup of coffee, or it may mean an afternoon or a day off or a week off, you know, whatever your your situation allows for. I think I've, I, that's in transparency. That's a lesson I've had to learn about myself over the past couple of months is I'm a person, I'm a leader who generally likes to keep short accounts and I hate feeling misunderstood. So I always want to bring clarity as soon as I can. Um, and I often, I've found that there are times where I miss the whole picture or I don't respond in the best way because I didn't just give myself permission to walk away, breathe. And I've also found personally that as the follower of Christ, have I prayed about it before I've had the conversation about it? Sure, and then, you know, like, I need to spend 10 days fasting and praying about, it, but even just in humility and submission, coming to God and saying, all right, where am I wrong? Or wanna, I want to edify, I want to reconcile, I want to make sure I'm not seeking any other will besides his. And so I think remembering that, especially because we do feel all this pressure. And I think in student ministry or in any organization, um, I think of uh, Clay Scroggins' book, How to Lead When You're Not in Charge. And I remember the first time listening to Clay uh, and Andy's podcast talk about that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, 
That's true. Like I always have all these different expectations from all sorts of different areas in the organization and true of a lot in the organization, especially in student ministries. And so I think, it, Greg, you talk about making these decisions and having permission to, to walk away and um, scenario planning. And I guess how, how does one do that um, when they're not necessarily in charge and how, you know, in a way that helps the church best pursue their mission and like you said, become and stay healthy. Um, for the, so for the listener who's sitting there like, I get it, but I'm, I'm the student guy at a small campus. It's just me. And I feel like I'm isolated. I, I feel like I, can't, I don't really have the freedom to make these decisions that I need to, to be able to make, whether for me personally or for the ministry. Yeah, so that's a great question. Part of that is, you know, dependent on, there's kind of a couple of questions there. One, is it a capacity issue? Yeah. Um, and do you, you know, are you the only person? And so you don't have a team, you know, so you're trying to figure that out. Uh, and then the other part of that question is, you know, kind of a, a, a question about placement in the system, right? And so if you're in student ministry, what, what do you actually have the ability to have authority and responsibility over? What do you have to, how do you have to lead up? How do you have to look for ways to influence, you know, what's happening and all that? And I think those are important things to think about. Uh, overall, from a, from a church perspective, you know, this is one of the acute, biggest challenges, I think, in many churches is a lack of clarity in terms of authority and responsibility. Yeah. Um, and in order to be an effective leader, you really have to understand both, right? And you have to have authority that matches the responsibility uh, that you've been given. And so that's one of the very, uh, that's a very foundational thing. I'm going to work with a church this weekend in Pennsylvania, working with their board. And that's one of the things we're going to be talking about is communication of that clarity of authority and responsibility. Then once you know kind of what your playing field is, then you have the ability to do whatever. So going back to the scenario planning thing, okay, you know what, what your boundaries are. You know what the, the, the banks of the river are that you have to stay within as you're doing student ministry. But within that, you know, there's a lot of, lot of latitude, right, for you to be able to experiment with some things and do that. I think the other thing that is important in a multi-site church, you know, you have the opportunity to have some of that collegiality with other student ministry people at other campuses, yeah. But I think for others that are maybe not a part of a multi-site church or they're a they're in a smaller community, you know, I think it's really important to look for that peer kind of relationship um, with other leaders in your common in the common role, maybe with other churches in your community. Um, there's also a lot of great, I mean, one of the great things that you, things you guys are doing with this podcast, right, is to give people exposure to other ideas and to what other ways that people are thinking about that. So I think those are some of the places you have to go to find your place of encouragement, your place of resourcing, um, kind of your tribe, if you would, your, uh, your people. I think that's so key to have a, have a, I guess not a negative response to that, that position that you're in, in the organization. And I think sometimes I see individuals get cynical or negative towards the proverbial they in leadership because they are not that that individuals feeling pigeonholed or feeling like they don't have authority and what you said I, I, asking those questions around clarity um, I found in my experience at times because I've been frustrated about those same things if these are the boundaries that this is the game we're playing like I, I just need to know because 
that clarity helps so much. Um, but I've often found at the same times that uh, I need to ask the question. Uh, and it's not that somebody's withholding information. It's just, we all know we all got a lot going on. Um, right. And the more uh, an organization lives out its mission and grows, the more nuance and more complexities come in. And so how do you talk through that? And how are you being a good teammate to believe the best, ask the question, so then you can go back out and, and do your job or do what you've been called to do and asked to do. And so it's really, it's really insightful. And, and Greg, I, what I always love, I always love your, the compassionate heart that you have um, when you are you know, challenging people to think about different blind spots or leading well um, and where God has called them to. And, um, you know, before we get to any final words, thoughts of encouragement, anything like that, I'd love to, I almost want you to put on like your prophetic hat and tell me, Greg, what's the future of multi-site? You know, the funny part about multi-site, I would say we're all unique snowflakes, right? Like we're all made up of the same thing, but we express ourselves so differently. And having other guests on the podcast at times like, yeah, multi-site, putting the fun back and dysfunctional. So <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so what, I mean, what do you, what are you seeing? What are you uh, with this new venture that you have? And I'd love for you to share a little bit about that. What are you working towards or what are some of these trends? Obviously very much, um, seen currently through the lens of the pandemic, but what maybe some trends that are emerging out of there that say this is really going to shape the multi-site church in the, the coming years. Yeah, you bet. So, um, you know, uh, you've heard this said in other contexts, but I say it a lot and um, kind of one of my colleagues, Jeff Stratt, and I'll say a bit more about him in a minute, but we have say, you know, if you've seen one multi-site model, you've seen one multi-site model. <laughs> you know, and that's really it, you know, and so there's, because there are, there's so difference and there's so much difference and nuance in context that shapes that. And so I think that's really important to think about um, here. When we did the first book, we kind of identified some models, you know, video and venue model and variety of things. And uh, just in the last, you know, three months, Jeff and I have been working on a, a new ebook that's going to be releasing here next week, actually called Multisite Reimagined. Oh, wow. um, and in the same context, we kind of identified some five models that we feel like are emerging right now. Again, none of them, you, there'll be a mix of all of them, but yeah. at least it yeah. gives you some handles, some ideas to kind of begin to think about and, um, and have conversation around. And so, you know, so, um, the most obvious one obviously is the online piece. You know, as I said earlier in the conversation, uh, we went from nobody having an, or not for a small percentage of having an online campus to everyone having some kind of a digital presence. Um, and so that reality, um, I think, is, is not going to change. We're not going back. Um, I think some churches are taking a step back <laughs> in yeah. terms of what they're doing there. But I think that um, we're going to continue to see um, churches and there's going to be a need to continue to press into that digital space and online space. I heard a statistic recently, uh, actually this last week, that said that 55% of the population of the globe um, is digitally connected at all times. So that means you're either on your pad, your iPad, you're on your phone. Sorry about that. Um, uh, Alexa tells Tommy that somebody is, I'm, I see I'm digitally connected. It was the perfect key, right? So Alexa told me that somebody just delivered a package for me. So I'm loving it. Now that I said Alexa, she's probably going to say something back to me again. So, um, so anyway, so, and 55, so you're on your 
iPad, your phone, you've got a watch, you know, you're 55% of the population. By 1930, which is only 10 years from now, they're saying 90% of that's the population. Yeah. So we got to figure this out. So this online thing. So that's a big piece. Um, that's there. A lot of conversations around that. Another thing that I think we're, we are seeing and we'll continue to see more, there's going to be a re resurgence of on-site venues hmm. um, because of the fact that at least in this season, when you have some space limitations in terms of the number of people you can have in one space, a number of churches are looking at how they can repurpose portions of their facility to create additional venues that give people the opportunity to be live in person, but yeah. in a smaller setting. So I think we're going to see some more of that. Mergers is going to continue to grow and expand. The last research that we did with Leadership Network was just about a year ago. And at that point in time, it had moved from one in three to 40% of all multi-site campuses were a result of a merger. Wow. And I think that's going to continue to grow, particularly in light of you know, where we are currently in some of these churches that are just not going to be able to sustain financially um, uh, in the economic situation that we're in. A fourth one is what we're calling multi-brand. Okay. Um, and this idea kind of got birthed um, when we took a group of churches. In fact, Jack, I think you may have been with the team from Woodside when we were together at um, Marriott. Um, and Marriott is a hotel industry. Of course, they're struggling, as is all the travel industry. But the idea that is consistent and I think has some application for multi-site is this whole multi-brand idea. So multi um, Marriott has like 29 independent brands. They're all part of Marriott, yeah. but they each have a unique client that they're serving, uh, that they attract. And so we think there's going to be a beginning to see some multi-site models that are going to have that flavor and feel, maybe feel a little bit more like a family of churches or to use the corporate language, kind of a multi-brand kind mm -hmm. of organization. Interesting. Um, and then the last thing, last one that is we're seeing is microsites. And, uh, you know, microsites have been kind of trying to happen for, you know, probably eight to 10 years. Um, but I think it, we're kind of entering into a season where people are going to have to figure out how to make it work. Again, it's another opportunity to take a large church or a large campus and make it smaller. Um, and so I think that we're, we're already beginning to see some of those kind of applications. Well, again, I mentioned 12 Stone earlier, but 12 Stone Home, you know, is one of their application of that, how they're creating these microsites where churches, excuse me, where families and groups are able to uh, have a worship experience together in their home. So those are some, some of the kind of ideas um, that we feel like are surfacing. And as I mentioned, we're doing this ebook called Multi-Site Reimagined, and it will release um, actually a week from today. Um, and so um, love to have you go and take a look at it. You can go and log on at Generis. The Generis website, that's where I'm doing my church consulting work is with the Generis organization. They have a team called the Effective Ministry Teams. And if you go to generis.com forward slash multi-slight dash reimagined, uh, you'll be able to find the ebook and be able to download that there. Also, by next week on the release date, there'll be an assessment uh, that you can take uh, that will kind of help you to see what your readiness is for moving toward one of these newer models. That's awesome. And, it, and by the time this gets edited and all that stuff, we'll, it will be out. So we'll make sure to put it in the show notes and everything and have people go and check it out and everything. And I love hearing those things because, you know, my mind starts turning and just starts thinking about all those different scenarios. And so 
that's really good. It's really insightful. And um, for the listener, make sure that you click on that link and go and check out the book, check out the assessment um, and uh, be the first one to bring the ideas to your table. You know, <laughs> um, As but, we- you know the most 2020 thing ever, obviously, while we were recording, Gina lost internet <laughs> access to Zoom. And so we kept chatting, Gina, and uh, I know that right before you hopped off and, and you had one more question. I and did. So um, we'll, I'll let you bring home the final question before we know. have Greg share a little bit about how people can yeah. connect with him and then we'll take this on home. Yeah. Hashtag 2020, 2021. My husband's an internet teacher. So he ran up to upstairs to me panicking he's like did your internet go out too I was teaching class (laughs) (laughs) that wasn't fun but as you talked about reimagining and being innovative in multi-site ministry and if you covered this part while I was uh, offline just edit real well Joe (laughs) (laughs) you talked about reimagining and being innovative in multi-site what what encouragement do you have for those of us that are leading student ministry in this space and I thought it'd be fun to wrap up with that your final thoughts or encouragement yeah you bet and I think um one of the things I would say goes back a little harkens back a little bit to what we talked about earlier in this whole build measure learn thing um and Use. I mean, you have a you have an important space, um, and you also are working with um, a group of people who um, are going to help us understand this space. Yeah. Um, and so, I think that one of the best things you can do as student leaders is to kind of and and working with students is kind of lead the way in helping us to rethink what it means to do church. So, so many churches. I was with a group of, working with a talking with a group of senior pastors a few days ago and you know, all their conversations were primarily about how do we replicate what we've been doing in person online? And I, I think that that's not going to get us to the right answer no. um, because online and digital are completely different. It's a different customer. We have to fully understand that we have to be willing to think in new categories. It's not just about how can we make the preaching segment work well, you know, on, online, but it's how do we do discipleship, you know, online. And I think if we can stop, if we can get, we can start with the basics in terms of what does it mean to be a disciple and what are the things that I can do to help make that happen? Then we're going to, we'll make, we'll make some really good decisions. Larry Osborne has begun to say that we have to begin to be content agnostic. Hmm. And what he means about that is he said, discipleship really involves two things. One is content. And so it's study of the word, it's teaching and those kind of things. So you get that content. And then the other important piece is uh, being in relationship. Um, and that iron sharpens iron. That's how you really work out the things that you've learned and you've been exposed to from a content perspective. And so he says we have to be content agnostic. So that means people should be able to get the content whenever and wherever they want it. Um, as long as they are involved in some kind of a relationship and engagement of a small group or whatever, they're really going to be able to live that out. So he said, you know, before all this happened, he said, if I had somebody that was coming physically coming to church one Sunday a month, and but they were involved, they do weekly groups at their church, they were involved in their group, active there, and they were serving somewhere, I would have still been saying, okay, we really want to get them engaged. We got to get them here at least two. We want to move them from two to three and then try to get them. He said, right now, I don't care. I don't care where they get the content um, because, you know, we've all moved to this whole time shifting 
um, thing, you know, and when's the last time you watched a TV show, your favorite TV show at the time it actually was broadcast. Yeah. yeah. Never, you know, um, don't even know when they're broadcast. I just know whenever <laughs> I watch it. Right. Um, and so anyway, that's, I think you guys said, I think student ministry really has an opportunity because of the fact that you are working with a population that is going to help us figure this out, understand some of it already knows what's going to knows what works intuitively because that's where they've that's where they've grown up right um so i think you have a lot to offer um to the church from that perspective that's where you have that we we work with a demographic that is the digital native like they that's what they grew up on where we grew up on the internet and it was all old horse and buggy or you know model t's and back roads they have grown up on um sports cars and super highway and being connected and then they're familiar with it. They know it better than than the most. So that's really good. I always love these conversations and I really appreciate again, your time, your insight and um, love for you to share any final words. And then obviously any way that people can get connected with you. And again, we'll make sure to share uh, the book and everything, which I'm excited to, to be able to dive in myself, but yeah, share how we get connected. You bet. So um, just kind of final word of encouragement is, Keep pressing on. Um, it's a difficult season, and I know uh, you as leaders and working with students and just leaders in the church are tired. So uh, take uh, give yourself permission to walk away. Take care of your soul um, and keep leaning into Jesus as you work with these students. I'd love to be in touch with you and contact with you. You can be in touch with me through my email address at greg.ligon at generis.com. Um, or you can uh, go onto the generis.com website and you'll find all my information there as well. Also follow me at Greg Ligon on Twitter as well. Uh, Greg, thank you so much again for your time and listeners. Thank you as always for, for tuning in and for reaching out. Uh, as Greg shared earlier, uh, that's what we, uh, our aim is here is just to help each other out. We don't have all the answers, nor do we ever want to come off as we do. We just want to have a conversation and grow together, learn together. Uh, and again, be good stewards of that, which God has called us to and, um, sharpen one another as iron sharpens iron. Amen. So thank you guys for listening. And until next time, bye. bye.